Welcome to the third season of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. This ministry is here to teach you Bible truth. Teaching truth allows you to grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. I sometimes read entire books in the Bible so you can know the story, not just the scripture. I also teach a series about a certain subject, so I want you to invite family and friends. Get your Bibles, grab a pen and paper so you can take notes. Now sit back, relax, and learn Bible truth. Happy Saturday, Learning Bible Truth listeners. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. I know, I know that I told you guys I would return last weekend, either last Sunday or last Saturday with a new episode, but in this case, it will be a new small series, uh, probably a three episode series. I can just about guarantee you it would just be three episodes about why Christians die before their time. Now, some unforeseen things happen and um, I didn't have uh, time, including me being exhausted, but I didn't have time to really search out all the information that I was seeking in the Holy Bible. And with a subject that is so important as this, I did not want to leave any strings untied. Because this is a very serious topic, I want to make sure that I have accurate scripture. The Holy Spirit had to speak to me to make sure that I share accurate and correct information with you. It will be scripturally based. Now, the name of this series, it's a three-episode series, will be entitled, Why Christians and People die before their appointed time. Yes. Now, this was brought on by a lot of questions I have been asked from different people regarding death. And the question is, why so many good people are dying? Why are so many so-called Christians dying? Why are so many young people dying at a young age? Why is God taking them? And whoop, there it is. This is why I decided to teach this series, because is God really taking their lives? And I can tell you based on scripture, no, he is not. So let's get this truth on the road. Now, in this first episode, we will be talking about where death comes from. Okay, where did it originate? So by taking the time uh, to find out what God says in the Bible, I discovered that God is about saving lives, not about taking lives. So I actually received in my heart God's word and I decided to believe God over man. I put my trust in the word of God uh, that I found in the Holy Bible and I did what it said I needed to do for me to have, uh, let's say, a long life, okay? Now, I use what God said to remove fear of death, or, or shall I say the fear of death, out of my life. Now, I can, just like you can, enjoy my life. 
So you need to check out what the Holy Bible says for yourself. That's why you need to follow me along in scripture. So don't go just by what you have heard someone say or what someone might have said or or what you may have misinterpreted. If you are not sure about something, that means you are misinterpreting what it says, especially when it comes to reading the Holy Bible. I am here to tell you that you have too much to lose by not giving the Bible a chance to speak truth to you. So what God promises you in his word, particularly when it comes to having a say in when you die, yes, having a say in when you die can literally change your life for the better. Okay. But you are going to have to take hold of, of, of what God says and receive it in your heart. Okay. Now in reference to what uh, version of the Bible I will be teaching from today, I am using the new King James version. Okay. I might, uh, use the new living translation to repeat or quote what I quote from the new King James. And I might not, I have the, the new living version, um, right in front of me, just in case I want to use that as well. And if you hear some page flipping, that's me with my notes. Okay. So first we will talk about where death comes from. Now, if God is not the one killing people, uh-huh. Let me say that again. If God is not the one killing people, then who is? That's the question. So the Bible leaves no room for guessing when it comes to the origin of death. The word of God, saints, it makes it very plain and clear that the person behind the death of people is really a perpetrator. And it identifies who this person really is, who the perpetrator is behind death. So I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Okay. And while you are finding Hebrews 2.14, let me share with you one of the reasons why I didn't have a lead scripture is because we have so many scriptures that I am going to cover in reference to death. We don't need a lead scripture. However, in episode two, I probably will share a scripture that I thought about using as a lead scripture, but I'll share that in episode two next weekend. Okay. So. For the sake of time, I will commence the reading. And when you find Hebrews 2, I will be reading verse 14. You can press play and we will be on the same page. Okay. So I am reading. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself and the he is Jesus, likewise shared in the same that through death, he talking about Jesus might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. And I need to read that a second time. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Now don't focus on the word had. I'm not going to jump ahead of myself in this episode or this series because we're going to talk about had because right now the devil still has the power. Okay. Now 
This scripture that I just read, it says him who had the power of death, that is the devil, not God, but the devil. So I want you to pay close attention. Satan is a real person and Satan had the power of death. This is where death came from and this is who is behind it. Okay. Now death is actually a characteristic of Satan. You could say that Satan and death are synonymous. The two go hand in hand. Like, like wet and water. You can't separate the two where Satan is death is sure to follow. You cannot separate the two. Now I say this because Satan is the perpetrator behind all sin. And the Bible says in Romans six twenty three that the wages of sin is death. And that's not going to change. Now, although Satan cannot make you sin, he is the one that influences you to sin. Okay, let me say that again. Satan cannot make you sin, but he is the one that is influencing you to sin. Now, while Satan doesn't put a gun to your head and force you to commit adultery or fornication, Satan certainly will make sure that a certain person catches your eye because he knows the weakness of your flesh. Now, mind you, with that said, you still have control over your flesh. Okay, you need to let that sink in. He will make sure a, a certain indiv individual pass you by and flirt with you. And the next thing you know, you are in, you are committing adultery. Satan is not the one that's putting a gun in your hand, telling you to go and rob a bank. But he'll make sure that when you pass by a bank and you know you are behind in your bills and you got a gun on you. Hey, why don't you go in there? You're not going to get caught. Why don't you go in there and, and point the gun at the teller and tell her, give you the money. You get the money and run. Next thing you know, you shot and killed by the police running because you did something you had no business doing. So you can rest assured that wherever the devil is able to rear his ugly head, death of some sort is sure to come. Now, it may be physical death or, or it may be the death of a relationship, the death of trust the death of your own integrity or your own slow death by either overeating or using drugs. Nevertheless, some kind of death is inevitable if the door to your life is open to sin. That's how Satan comes in your life because of sin. Now, Satan and his demons are real. Whether you believe it or not, they are real. Now, whether you believe the Bible or not, the Bible says that they exist. So God apparently believes in the devil and his demons. Yeah, he believes in demonic forces. So if God says they are real, then the devil and his cohorts do exist. And if the Lord, who is the creator of the universe now, saints, says that Satan had the power of death. Think about it now. If the creator of the universe says that Satan had the power of death, then death had to come from Satan. Now, he is the one to blame for all this killing out here. Okay. Now, when uh, my mother died, you know, that was hard for me to accept. But I never thought that God took her, even though I had not been trained and versed in, in scripture like I am. Something in me. Because I was born again by then when my mother died. But something in me knew that God didn't take her. 
Now, even when a disaster like a hurricane or a tidal wave or an earthquake destroys the lives of people along with their property, you always hear that newscasters say on the news that it was an act of God. Now, these types of ignorant remarks, they strike at the very nature and loving character of God. Now, when I hear comments like these, it makes me wonder if anyone ever really read the Bible. Yeah, if, if, if anyone ever really read the Bible, do they read the Bible? Even these so-called ministers in these different denominations, do they read the Bible? Because if we look at Hebrews 2.14 again, it says that inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, which means Jesus came in the flesh he became like you and me. Why? That through death, he, talking about Jesus, might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Now, that's a quote from the Holy Bible, New King James Version. Now, Father God, he sent Jesus to destroy death, not to deliver death now. He sent Jesus to destroy death. So how could you think that God is about killing people when he sent his son to deliver to um, deliver man from death? Now, this will be confusion. Uh, that's what I would say. You know, it would be confusion to me. And first Corinthians 14, 33 says that God is not the author of confusion. Now, John 10, 10, which is one of my favorite scriptures of all times. When people are, if I'm uh, in person talking to someone and they asking me about death and why God took them, I often show them this scripture. This is living proof. Even if Hebrews 2.14 doesn't convince you, this scripture should convince you that Satan is the one behind death. Okay, Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, the thief, which is a synonym for Satan, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, Jesus clearly states that the devil, not the heavenly father, comes to kill. In fact, Jesus goes on to say this. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, Jesus came from the father so that you not only have life, saints, but have it more abundantly. So you see, God the Father and his son Jesus are about life, not death. Okay, yet people go right on blaming God for the death and destruction that plague mankind today. All the destruction that we are seeing on TV today, people are saying, well, you know, I believe this is the will of God. Well, you keep believing that. You go ahead on and keep believing that. Okay. Now, I want you to look at 1 Timothy 1.17. It describes the father. It says that now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Now, let me uh, rightly divide that scripture for you. In this scripture, the word translated immortal, immortal, comes from the Greek word aphrothotos. This means undecaying and not corruptible. Now there is no decay in God. So how could an incorruptible God without decay give you death and decay? Just think about it for a second. 
you must first have something before you can give it away. Huh? Am I right? Can you at least agree with that? Before you can give something away, you must first have it. Well, what about Job? In Job chapter one, verse 21, the Bible says, not man, not me. The Bible says, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's almost comical because most people who um, quote that scripture are from the Baptist uh, denominations, okay? The Bible records this, which is true, but the Lord God did not say it. In other words, Job said this, not God, and God never spoke through Job. You will not find one scripture in the book of Job where God spoke through Job. And Job's assessment of the death and destruction that came upon him was wrong. Now, if you read the context in which Job made this remark, you will see that Satan was behind the calamity that Job was going through. Satan was, not God. In the Bible, it clearly speaks of that. Now, if you continue reading further in Job's account, you will also see uh, the part Job played in his own demise. He is quoted in Job 3.25 as saying this, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. Now, Job feared losing his children and his possessions, and uh, fear is not uh, of God. We need to know that. 2 Timothy 1.7 says that fear is not of God. Because of his fear, Job opened the door for Satan to come in and, and wreak havoc in his life. Now, Job said the Lord has taken away because he was ignorant of how his own fear had cost him everything he had. Now, after all, he did not have the benefit of, of the Bible to consult with like we do. We have all these scriptures before us and we are too lazy to read and study to show ourselves approved before God. I'm not too lazy because I'm constantly reading even when I'm off, even when I'm on vacation, even when I take a break from podcasting, I'm still studying and reading because I have to feed my spirit man. This Now, this is also why sin was not attributed to Job. That's in Job 1.22. However, despite the accusation he made against God, do or did you notice that Job still had to pay for his ignorance? So it's not an excuse because you don't know no better. Now, Job still had to pay for his ignorance. Everything he had was taken away from him. Now, although God does not hold you accountable for what you do not rightfully know, this does not keep Satan from exercising his right to kill, steal, and destroy whenever you open a door in your life for Satan. Uh-uh. Satan's still coming, buddy. Satan is still coming. Now, just as God did not take anything from Job, he has not taken anything or anyone from you. He did not take your mother. He did not take my mother. He did not take your father, your sister, your aunt, your brother, your nephew, your young baby. God does not take people. Now, I can prove this from, from actual Bible accounts. Okay, scripture. I can prove this in scripture. Now, there are only three places in the entire Bible where it specifically says that God took someone and all three times the person that God took was alive. All three times. 
So let's take a look at these scriptures. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 24, the Bible says that Enoch walked with God and he got so close to God that he ended up walking right into the next world, into the spirit realm where God is. The Bible says God took him. So Enoch went alive. Okay. Then one day the prophet Elijah and his understudy Elisha were walking through the field and Elisha said to Elijah, uh, listen, I want a, a double portion of what you have. So Elijah said, if you see me when I go, it will be like you want. Now, shortly thereafter, a whirlwind swooped up Elijah and Elisha saw Elijah go into heaven. So Elijah was also taken alive when he went into heaven. That's in second Kings two eleven. Okay. Now, what about the third one? It's in Acts one, nine. Hallelujah for this one. Uh, God took Jesus from the Mount of Olives in a cloud. Now, Jesus had already been resurrected, so he was alive when God took him. God has never taken anyone dead. Now, if God takes you, he takes you alive. And for those of you who may have misunderstood something in the Old Testament, um, it's in uh, uh, relation to the Ark of the Covenant of God uh, when it was being carried the wrong way. Um, one of the men dropped dead because of that. Um, you can't say that God took him. Okay. The man dropped dead. He had no business looking in the Ark of the Covenant of the, of the Lord, but that is not what I am talking about. It has nothing to do what I am talking about. So let's look at first Corinthians 15, 20. In fact, the heavenly father does not even refer to his people who have physically died as being dead. Uh, first Corinthians 15, 20 talks about, you know, um, how God, uh, or let's say the apostle Paul described those who have gone to, to be with the Lord. He says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So God does not even talk about his children is dying. He, uh, he says they have fallen asleep. Now sleep is figurative. It's a figurative word. It implies two things. One, it indicates that you are going to wake up, uh, as in being resurrected. And two, sleep suggests that you will be rested and refreshed when you awake. Now, when you do arise in Christ, as the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 14, this is why God uses the symbolism of sleep in reference to the physical death of his saints. Now, the way it is, or the way that we can look at this is the Lord really has too much to lose by putting death on you. First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says that both you, your spirit and your body belongs to God. It actually says this, and I quote, now this is uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Mm -hmm. Your spirit, which belongs to God. Now, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then you are just the caretaker of your body. Your body is now a temple of the Holy Spirit. So your body is a holy place. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think God would, would want any foul thing 
that would deface, harm, or destroy his temple inside your body. What do you think? So sickness and disease and a, a, a bullet to your head or, or to your, your torso could not be the will of God for his people because sickness and disease can contaminate and defile your body. Think about that. Death is the ultimate destruction of the physical body. Can we agree on that? Now, if God puts sickness, disease, and death on you, which we know he does not, then he will be destroying his own living temple. You know, just a little, you know, deductive reasoning proves that God is not the author of death and that God would not uh, will death upon his people. Think about that. So let's look at Hebrews 2.14 again. It says that Jesus came that he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. In other words, death's power over you has been destroyed in the sense that it cannot lord itself over you unless you let it. I think I need to say that last part again, that death's power over you has been destroyed in the sense that it cannot lord itself over you unless you let it. Now I say this because the original Greek word translated here as destroy does not mean to put in a position of non-existence as we would normally think it would mean. It literally means to render inoperative to the point that it has no, let's say, uh, power or validity uh, over you any longer. Okay. Now what the Bible means by destroy in this scripture is that Satan's power of death over you has been limited. Let me say that it's been limited. Satan can no longer take your, your, um, you being a child of God's life anytime he wants to. He has to have your cooperation. And you need to think about that. Satan needs your cooperation to take your life. Now I can prove it in scripture. And I, just listen now. If Satan had the authority and power to kill anyone at any time, and, and use his discretion to when he's going to take your life. Why Christians are not all dead today? Because we are his enemy. Yes, we are the opponents of Satan. Now, it would be easy enough if he really had this kind of authority and power. All he would have to do is, is wait until we, we go to sleep and just poof, come and take our lives. Most of the time, you don't even know when you actually fall asleep. And I had a sleep study uh, uh, in the latter part of, of 2021. And the doctor told me that because I have a uh, problem sleeping. I've been resting lately, though, because I read a lot and I need to stop reading. Um, At least when it's time to go to bed. And the doctor said, well, Miss Dorsey, you slept about six or seven hours. And I said, no, I didn't. I said, I know when I sleep and when I don't. And he said, no, you don't, Miss Dorsey. Most of the time, people don't even know when they fall asleep. And I said, every time the uh, tech came in the room, I saw her, you know, I was awake when she came in the room, but I said that to say the doctor knows better than me in terms of sleep. I was hooked to every device they had. And if he said I was asleep, then I was asleep. He said, I slept between six and seven hours. And I, you know, most people don't know when they fall asleep. One minute you are conscious and the next minute you are not. So the next conscious thought that we have of, of waking up is we woke up. We don't have no conscience that we were asleep. So anyone could come in your room and, and you would not know 
know they were even in the room unless you woke up. Yeah. But here's the thing. I knew every time the tech came in the room. So, hey, I saw her when she came in because I'm a light sleeper. If I hear a sound, my eyes just open and I just, you know, I'm awake. So what keeps Satan from coming into the bedrooms of Christians in the middle of the night and killing all of us or during the day when we take naps? So obviously he does not have this kind of power because far too many Christians are alive and doing well today and far too many are dying. So the only alternative is that Satan must have your cooperation in order to take your life. And all the Christians that are dying before their time, they are giving Satan the cooperation to come in and take their lives. So I know that's a strong statement I just made, but I can back up anything I say through scripture. So um, go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. And I will be reading uh, verse 19. Uh, the spirit of the Lord, he, he admonishes. This is what he says. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Now, God says he has set life and death before you. Now, if you want to live, then you have to choose life. Apparently, choosing life is a conscious decision you have to make if you want to live because the scripture does not tell you to choose death if you want to die. Eventually, death is automatic if you do not choose life. So failing to choose life qualifies you for death. And many people are not choosing life today, including Christians. Because as this series goes on, I'm going to say some strong stuff, but I want you to remember this is not about people because what I have learned over the years is, is that Christians are ignorant of the word of God. They are very ignorant. Now, this is how, how many people, even so-called Christians inadvertently cooperate with Satan. Yeah. Now it is no coincidence that the, the latter half of Hebrews 2.14 says that through death, he talking about Jesus might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Now this scripture says might because you have to choose and, and, and you might not choose life. Uh-huh. So how do you choose life? I couldn't wait to get to this part because I'm going to quote a very familiar scripture with you, especially if you have been listening and following learning Bible truth ministries, Romans 10, nine and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth, hallelujah, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved for with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, let me take you back to Deuteronomy 30 verses 15 through 18. And it says this, see, I have set before you today, life and good death and evil in that I command you today to love the Lord, your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statues and his judgment that you may live and multiply 
and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods, talking about idol gods with a small g, and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You should not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess my Lord. My Lord, that is powerful scriptures. That's Deuteronomy 30 verses 15 through 18. Now in short, you choose life by choosing to be obedient to the word of God. That's in short. There's more to the Christian life than just getting saved and, and waiting to be with the Lord. We have so many nice Christ, Christians that mean well, that are sick as a dog because they, they, they don't have no faith for healing. Everything that's happening to them, they think God is doing it. They don't realize they opened up a door for Satan to come in and wreak havoc because they have no faith. The just shall live by faith. Okay. Now there is a lifestyle that Christians are supposed to live. And this lifestyle is based upon the word of God. Okay. Now, if you don't choose to be obedient to the word of God, that's on you. You have no guarantee of a life or of having a say in when you die. Mm. I said something there of having a say in when you die. Now, Proverbs 18, 21, which is a, a verse of scripture that many people run from. Proverbs 18, 21 tells us this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's your words. And those who love it will eat its fruit, meaning you will be the recipient of your words. Now you can either speak life to your life or death to your life. Now, if you want to choose life, then you must line your conversation up with the word of God. You speak life to your life by saying what God says about you and your circumstances, not what you feel, not what your denomination tells you, the way things look or what other people think. That is not how you are supposed to live. You And if you go by your feelings, my Lord, you will never be healed. If you go by what you see, my God, you will never uh, have or speak life into your life. You have to speak what God says or what God uh, is telling you that he is willing to give you. These are the promises of God. That's why you need to know the Bible. So by speaking death, by talking about and, and, and agreeing with all the negative circumstances surrounding you, you give Satan the cooperation he needs to kill you. And for an example, I'm sure you heard someone say, you know what? It's flu season again, and I always get the flu. And as it relates to um, uh, COVID-19, oh, I'm always getting sick. I probably get COVID too. Sooner or later, you're going to get it because you, you spoke it and you believe what you say. The key is believing. If you believe what you say, you will speak it into existence in your life because you believe it. That's the key. So if you can believe that, why you can't believe the positive things that God has to say about you? Huh? Why you can't believe that? Now, when you talk like this, you give Satan's words precedence in your life rather than the word of God, which is life. Now, this is why many Christians die in the prime of their lives. Even though Jesus set them free from the power of death, they fail to recognize that the choice to live or die belongs to them. And every time they open their mouths, they automatically exercise that right. 
So if you go back to Deuteronomy 30, 15, I, I want you to think about it. Did you happen to notice that the Lord God associates death with evil? Did you, did you catch that? He associated death with evil. So when does God have anything to do with evil? So how could you think that he has anything to do with death? So look at what else the Lord has to say about death in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 25 and 26. God says, for he, Jesus, must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. That's why I wanted to wait. I knew I was going to get to this section when we talk about had the power. No, Satan still has it because the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death has not been destroyed yet. So we do have an appointed time uh, as to when we are going to die. The problem uh, most people don't know and understand is when they think that if you die at one years old, that was God's will. No, it's not. No, it's not. So you see, death is not a friend to us. It is an enemy. Now, since death is an enemy, you do not have to accept it. Uh-uh. Not on uh, death's terms. Now, if you don't believe me, then we need to take a look at the life of the Apostle Paul. Now, certainly he was a man acquainted with death. And I want to stop right here because in episode two, we are going to talk about have, how we have a saying when we die. And we are going to talk about the life of the Apostle Paul. I know episode one probably sparked your interest. So play this episode for your family and friends, saints. And uh, for those of you who do not know the risen Savior, all you have to do is repeat after me. Let's say that prayer of salvation because tomorrow is not promised to you. And if you are out here claiming to believe in the Lord Jesus or you heard of him and you believe he existed, but you don't know him in your heart, you have never received him in your heart. You need to go to Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10. And it tells us this. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? The wrath that is coming to this earth. Yes, we will be saved from that wrath and God promises us eternal life. Eternal life is only promised through Christ. That's it. No religion. I don't care what religion you like and decided to follow, they cannot promise you eternal life because the eternal life only exists in Christ. So saints, if you say this prayer, Heavenly Father, I believe in your word that if I confess that Jesus is Lord, I know he is Lord because he is your son. And that I receive in my heart that you raised him from the dead. I truly believe that he is alive right now and seated at your right hand. I am saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. And if you said that simple prayer, you don't have to, you know, jump, jump through hoops and do backflips in order to be saved. You are saved. You have been ushered into the household of faith and you should find a faith based teaching church. I um, advise you to avoid a denomination. Now, some of them are teaching truth, but not the whole truth. But you need to be baptized. Baptism is symbolic to the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Baptism, water baptism, does not save you. It's just how we identify with Christ by following him, him in water baptism, representing his death, burial, and resurrection. 
and you need to learn God's will for you. Renew your mind with the word of God, not the words of a denomination by renewing your mind with the word of God. Continue to listen to learning Bible truth and you can stay on online and, and listen to uh, information on how you can contact us, contact the ministry and how you can sow into our ministry. It definitely is a good ministry to sow into because we teach Bible truth. Okay. So until next time, saints, treat everyone you encounter with compassion, dignity, and respect and integrity. And I want you all to peace out. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, you can contact us by emailing talkingbibletruth dot cd at gmail.com if you would like to sow a seed in this growing ministry you may access the front page on the podcast you are listening to and click on the support button or you can cash out the ministry at dollar sign dr camla d that is at dollar sign capital d lowercase r capital c lowercase a m a l e capital d and donate any amount. And remember, God loves a cheerful giver, and so do we. So until next time, believers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not the word of man. We walk by faith and not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D, serving you with Christ Jesus, our Lord, in peace and love. I thank each of you for tuning in, And I hope to hear from you soon. Peace out.